Welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into everything coaching. Join my husband and his coaching friends from around the country as they explore the ins and outs of their profession. Big thanks to everyone who's contributed to making this podcast a huge success in its first year, reaching over 14 countries. Please continue to help the podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a five-star comment, and sharing it with your friends. Here you go, sweetie. I think you can take it from here. All right. Good morning. Uh, welcome to this week's episode. I've got a dear friend, a old friend, an old, old friend here. Uh, somebody's been in the business a long time. Uh, one of the first people I met uh, when I got into college game, or actually maybe a little bit before that, uh, we've had, got a couple things in common. Uh, we both Louisiana boys, uh, and we both coached under Coach Mona Martin at ULM. Uh, just want to welcome my dear friend, Coach Donnie Quinn. What's up, DQ? What's up, T? <laughs> man, Good so, to be with you. Yeah, man, I'm excited to do this. I, I know you were one of our first guests on our podcast way back before I learned how to do Zoom. And uh, <laughs> so we had to pre-record it. But well, uh, we're not like the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't have a whole lot of editors here, so we may hear bells. We may hear fire alarms. You just never know what we're going to have here. Right. But uh, but DQ had a short, short clip on our first time. Uh, but now we get to talk a little bit in depth. Uh, we're going to go uh, about 40 minutes with Coach Quinn. Got a lot I want to talk about, but let's do this, Donnie. I know, I know you didn't want to talk a lot about yourself, uh, but but I think it is important that just give us a little bit of, of a quick summary of. Uh, I, I know we met when you were at ULM. Give us a little quick summary of your background and give everybody some idea where you've been. Well, originally, you know, coming out of college, I was strictly a football coach. You know, I, I in high school I played football and I wrestled. You know, I loved playing basketball, but I was never, you know, you know how football players are playing basketball. We just follow everybody. So, you know, it's kind of was, you know, so I didn't play high school ball. And then, um, you know, when, once I graduated and I was coaching football, my second year, I would, I was actually a head, you know, I became a head football coach at the school I was coaching at, which was um, Crescent City High School in New Orleans. Yeah. And so that was kind of my my passion and my direction. And then, you know, like always, when you're at a small school, you know, everybody needs help. And so the basketball coach asked would I help him, you know, be one of his assistants. And so he was one of my assistants in football. So, you know, I told him I'd, I'd help him. I didn't know that much about it as far as, this, you know, the actual strategies. I love playing, but as far as, you know, the, you know, all the, in, the intricacies of it, you know, I wasn't, up to date on those type of things, but I told him I'd help him. And after about two years, I started to figure out, first of all, it was inside, you know, and so that, you know, with football being outside all the time, and then only managing 15 players compared to a hundred players, you know, so I started to, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I really enjoyed coaching basketball. And so that after a couple of years, I kind of flipped over, you know, I became the head basketball coach at the school and, and somebody else became the head coach at, uh, for football. And then once I really, you know, after about three or four years, I realized that I think that's the direction I wanted to go in. And so for the next probably eight years, 
every two years I was changing schools. I picked, you know, I, I asked around and asked who were the best coaches in New Orleans. And so for about two years, I, you know, I'd spend, you know, trying to learn, you know, the, I guess the deeper parts of, of the game. So first place I went was um, St. Martin's high school with um, Chuck Melito, who was known for being a great post coach. So I wanted to learn all about the post position and how to coach it. And, and so I spent two years with him at St. Martin's. And then after that, I left and went to Catholic high school in Baton Rouge with Glenn Rando, who was probably, you know, one of these guys that never has talent, but is always in the final four. Um, you know, he was a, a flex master, you know, and just being able to execute and, and when to take shots and who, who's going to take shots and all those type of things um, to learn the offensive game. So I went with him for two years. Then from there, I went to Shaw High School with Joey Stiving and learned, you know, all the things. And he ended up being the head coach at UNO for years. Um, so learned a lot from him as well. And by then, after those years, I felt like I had a good enough base to, you know, step out on my own. So that's when I became the um, head coach of Plaquemine High School in Baton Rouge. And then from there, shoot, West Monroe High School. And then from there to ULM with Mona. And then back to West Monroe High School as a girls coach. That was the first time I started coaching girls basketball was with Mona at ULM. And then Hoover High School and then Alabama and then Spain Park, I was the head boys coach there. And then now I retired and I'm I'm the assistant coach to one of my assistants when I was at Hoover High School. And so just as a part time, I just volunteer and, and go in and help coach Hoover High School still. So that's kind of the, you know, the I guess the gist of it. You know, so it's um, and all those schools that th my only stipulation was, you know, coaching with these is that that they would let me coach the defense. You know, they um, and they all agreed to it, which was pretty shocking at the time, you know, that they turned something over to somebody they really didn't know that well. Yeah. But it, it worked out great because I got to concentrate a lot on the defensive end and, and kind of get my philosophy there at, at, at the same time, learning all the different offensive you know, schemes that could be done. And so kind of gave me a good, well-rounded education as far as, you know, coaching the, the entire game. Well, that, you know, first of all, you know, me, me and probably 99% of our audience is already jealous of you because you mentioned being retired and then donating your time somewhere. So the fact that you're retired, I know this, our, our listeners do not know this, but they do now, you're sitting at the beach. So you're sitting at your beach house, retired, and you're volunteering your time. So obviously you were a much smarter money manager than, than I was uh, my whole career because uh, <laughs> because you're way ahead of the ball game. So so good, good for you there. Uh, a couple little things that popped up as you you talking. And, and that's why I love to hear everybody's background is because some of these things I may have known and forgotten. First of all, Crescent City uh, Baptist. I actually spent a couple summers there working summer camp. Uh, Coach, uh, Mr. Jerry Riggs was the principal. Uh, was he around uh, then? Do you know Jerry Riggs? He, he, was the, he was the assistant principal when I was there. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, the football strategies. We're going to get into that here in a minute because uh, that's something I know about Donnie. 
uh, and something we've stolen from him many years ago. We're going to talk about that in a second. New Orleans legends, New Orleans legends on uh, this coming Wednesday. I've got a dear friend coming to spend the day with us here at, U at UMS, right? Coach Jerry Hernandez. He told me to tell you hi, uh, Jerry. Uh, thanks the world. Uh, he told me to tell you hi. And then finally, I never knew you stopped off at Plaquemines High School. Uh, my mentor, uh, Gary Mitchell, uh, who I was the first coach I ever worked for at Ruston High, he spent a little time at Plaquemines High School as well, and I, and I didn't know I, I didn't know that was one of his stops. So uh, yeah. kind of neat to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so so now we got the formalities out of the way. I, you know, Coach uh, Coach Quinn is is a tremendous coach, and. and and someone, in, in my opinion, I'm blessed to know know a lot of really good coaches. And I put I put you up there at the top uh, among some of the best coaches I know. We talked football strategies. One of the things that we I stole from you many years ago was a, a full court press break. Um, and and so I know our listeners. It, it's sometimes it's often easier to be able to see that. But, but if you could, as best you can on our podcast, explain some of the way you use these football strategies to beat a press, because I know about it, but, but, but I think a, a, our listeners will be intrigued to hear this. Well, it's, you know, it started when I was coaching with Mona at ULM and one of our, you know, looking at our schedule ahead in the summer, we were, we were going to play the University of Arkansas and Gary Valero is the head coach there. And of course he was a full court you know, run and jump, pressing team, same, you know, when Nolan Richard, Richardson was there, they were doing the same thing, basically, on the girls' side. And so, you know, I was just having nightmares, you know, just thinking of how we're going to, you know, we were new at the program. We had a lot of kids that, you know, were there when we got there. We hadn't had a chance to really establish ourselves or, you know, kind of get the players we needed. And so, you know, I'm just thinking we're not going to be able to get the ball down the court, you know, so this is just going to be first. First off, mm -hmm. just getting it in. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the thing, you know, and, and I watch, you know, I watch so many games on TV and I, when it gets to, you know, the colleges don't press as much, you know, just because of the clock and everything else. But, you know, I, Watching games, you know, when it gets to the end and teams are behind, they have to press. And I just watch these even colleges and even the NBA teams just struggle getting the ball in. And so, you know, my background being, you know, in football as a defensive back, you know, it kind of clicked in my mind that if, you know, when in football, you have to get, you know, you're across the line of scrimmage and you're you're facing the, the, your opponent rather than face guarding them like they do in, in a press. And so you're always at a disadvantage on defense when a receiver breaks, you know, down the field, you're backpedaling and he's running forward and all of a sudden he makes a move. Well, your recovery time takes a long time to recover. And so I just kept thinking, why are we lining up on the foul line and letting them get in between us and the ball? And it's kind of like, because everybody else does it. That's the way it's always been done. It's kind of like, and I'm thinking if I'm on defense as a defensive back, Oh, I love that position being in between the player and the ball, sure. but we can't, you know, we can't do that in football. So it just kept, I couldn't understand why we did that. So finally I just said, I'm, you know, I, I just started ticking around with it. And so 
basically what we did is we just used football plays to get the ball in. We lined all the all of our players or our receivers up on the baseline. They put their foot on the baseline and get into a sprinter's stance and get ready to, you know, just like we got four receivers across the floor. You got your five, four, three, and two all on the baseline, you know, spread out. And the quarterback is out of bounds, which is our point guard. And so we we call actual pass routes from the baseline. And so first thing that happens is the defense looks over. And, it, and I remember we're playing Gary Blair, and we, we're going to try this. Mona said, go ahead, put it in, try it. You know, that's one thing I love about her. You know, she if you come up with an idea, she doesn't hesitate to let you try it. And so we get we get into the game and all of a sudden, you know, we put our foot on the baseline after they scored and they all start looking at Gary, you know, like how, you know, do we go up where they are, you know, or do we back up? And he's like, back up, back up, back up, you know? So we had them right where we wanted them. They, you know, we're on the baseline. They're, they're, you know, facing us. And then we're sprinting off of the line. They're backpedaling. And then we're running all these crossing routes and all these other things. And, easy to get the ball in but the problem is you know if you throw it to your five you don't necessarily want your five bringing the ball down so that was the next problem you know we could get the ball in it's never going to be a problem for somebody to catch the ball but do we really want that player dribbling and so the next part of it was after we ran around and caught the ball the point guard would always break right you know right to the person that she threw the ball to and that player would immediately toss right back to that to our point guard who's in a dead sprint already, yep. pushing it down the floor. So you can't trap that player. You know, she's already full speed. And plus, if you throw it to the five, that five can't switch and guard her or trap her. So it just kind of screwed the whole deal up for him. And so we were actually winning at halftime, you know, just because it couldn't stop us from getting the ball in. And we were able to push it down the floor fast enough that we were able to score. Well, second half, he came out in a one-three-one trap, and um, you know, beat the fool out of us. You know, I didn't have a plan for it, but <laughs> he did have a plan for the baseline. And so now, and it's funny when I watched them play, he still runs it. Um, he he picked it up and started running it, and I see it every now and then. Like people that play him will start running it. And so, but the thing is, like in this game, they just don't press that much anymore, so you don't see it as often, but to me, it's one of the best things that, you know, I, you come up with some ideas every night. And I've never been afraid to try something or to, I mean, look, I've come up with some bad ideas too, you know, that, we, that we've tried that didn't work out. But that's one of the, the true gems that, you know, I, I still watch people playing, can't figure out why they would go to the base, I mean, go to the foul line to, to start their press break or against a man press. So that's kind of... You know, having a background in football, and that's the thing about sometimes it's good not to know a whole lot, you know, and that's why I think sometimes some of your better coaches, and I hate to you know, they got great coaches who played and were great players too. But to me, not knowing that much about basketball, I teach and coach basketball like I'm coaching myself. You know, from the very beginning, the very basics, don't take anything for granted. Don't assume they know anything, you know? And so every detail has to be given and, you know, 
because I act like I'm, you know, I'm basically coaching myself. And so the great players, if they get that much detail, they can really excel. And those who aren't that great of players can compete and still have a chance because they can execute and they can be in the right place and do the right things. And so that's kind of, you know, how football basically has helped me, you know, and I really just about every side of the ball, offense and defense, I still use a lot of the football principles in everything that we do, you know, even with our zone stuff, you know, so it's, um, that's kind of how I got started and with that baseline press break. Well, it, it, it is, it is uh, something that, that, that I've stolen from you many years ago and, and, and I've, I've seen it as well. I, I want to say when uh, I want to say when Coach Blair was at uh, well when he's at Texas A&M, one day I'm watching him on TV and I hear him call Indian, and I guess in uh, you know to give you guys props because y'all were the Indians back back then, uh, but uh, but yeah it, you know uh, imitations of best best form of flatter is what they say. Oh no <laughs> good stuff. And and you mentioned a great players coach and that you know that. Uh, that's something we talked about on, on a previous podcast is you see a lot of guys and, and ladies that may not have been great players. And in some cases were not players at all who became great coaches, either through being a manager or, or something like that, but because uh, it's all about learning your craft and learning how to teach. You know, the analogy I give is just because you're a good chemistry student doesn't mean you're going to be a good chemistry teacher. You got to know how to teach. You got to know that those teaching foundations and, and, and there's a lot of great players that can't coach themselves out of a wet paper bag, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of players that, 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 uh, or coaches that were never players that, that are outstanding coaches. Uh, you know, one, one other thing mentioned in the football, I know one, uh, one summer I was at the Saints training camp and the way they started their practice was basically 11 on zero going through some of their offensive plays. And that was kind of how they got warmed up before they stretched. And so, so I've kind of adapted that to basketball. That is one of the first things we'll do. My players, they'll come in the gym and of course they'll go straight to the goal and start doing form shooting. But when practice begins, in most cases, we'll start off with my varsity on one side, my JV on the other, and we'll go five on zero going through our stuff. And so it's it's a good way. It's the perfect way for me, uh, in my in my mind, to to get warmed up. Is instead of just running up and down doing nothing, we're actually running through our sets and getting warmed up that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I tell you what, Coach. Let's take a quick one minute break, uh, and and we'll be right back uh, with Coach uh, Coach Donnie Quinn. Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers. Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you. Hey honey, will you get packed 
We got a cruise ship waiting on us now. <laughs> Let's go. All right, uh, we are back with uh, visiting with Coach Donnie Quinn, uh, hanging out at his beach house, retired, uh, living his best life, and uh, in all seriousness, he deserves it. Uh, one of the best coaches, one of the best coaching minds in the business, and uh, happy for him, happy for his beautiful bride, and happy that he's getting to spend some quality time uh, doing something other than grinding in the classroom. Uh, so, Coach, one of the things that the topics that I wanted to talk about with you today, uh, because as you mentioned, defense has kind of been your forte. Um, let's talk about some of your defensive philosophy. I know many of us are stubborn and we just get stuck doing man-to-man defense for 32 minutes and don't change a whole lot. You've helped me evolve away from that a little bit. Share with some of our listeners some some defensive ideas that are different from just your basic man-to-man or zone defense. Well, I mean, we we you know we do pretty much a lot of man as well. But my thing is, you know, as as an offensive coach, as well, you know, if somebody is in a generic defense, whatever they play, you know, if, if they're playing straight man or playing a zone or whatever. And, and they have a consistent philosophy that they're following, I can, you know, we can execute against that. And like, you know, a, a, a true man-to-man defense, I mean, it's if, if you're executing well enough and you're setting good screens and, and, and your fundamentals are sound, you, can, you have a pretty good chance of scoring against that, that defense. I mean, you could, you could work, and that's what I learned from Glenn Rando. If you, if you pass the ball around enough, the defense can't keep up forever. You know, they, somebody's going to make a mistake and, and you're just waiting for that mistake. And so I just never liked being in that position defensively, you know, because we've got some great coaches in Louisiana and, and all over the country. And, and, if, and if, if you guard them, they're going to break you down eventually, you know, and if, 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 and a lot of these coaches that were in the Catholic league and stuff like that, you know, that are all still great coaches. And you mentioned, you know, Gary Nandez, I mean, that's another one right there, you know. So it's just all, – and a lot of people you've had on the podcast. I mean, those guys, teams will execute you off the floor if you give them a chance. And so I just never liked being in that position defensively. So I always – we don't do anything conventionally. So if we're playing man-to-man, let's just say we're playing straight man-to-man. We're going to we're gonna choose some player on that team that we're not going to guard. We're going to guard the other four pretty tight, but we're going to pick somebody that we're not going to guard and we're going to help with that player. And so anybody drives that player is there to stop and double that, double that drive. Um, if, you know, that player may make a shot, but we're going to pick the player that hasn't shot that much. You know, if they come out there and hit 30 points on us, that one player who's not used to shooting, then, Congratulations, they got us that night. But that very rarely happens. Right. Plus, the guys that do do most of the shooting aren't going to be happy with him taking ninety percent of the shots that game. So, it's just we any any type of kink we can throw in there to help people, you know, to keep people from executing their offense is kind of what we're going to do. So, but we play we play every defense. I mean, we start every game basically man to man. And then from that point on, and I, and 
you know, we'll, we'll change defenses almost every possession, sometimes every two or three possessions, every dead ball for sure. And so, you know, and we, whatever's half court defense we're playing, we play a full court defense as well. And so if we're in a two, one, two, you know, if we're in a two, one, two half court defense, we're in a two, one, two full court defense. If we're in a one, three, one, we're in a full court one, three, one. If we're in a one, two, two half court, we're in a one, two, two full court. If we're full court, if we're half court man, we're full court man. If we're in a triangle and two half court, we're in a, full, a triangle and two full court. If we're in a diamond and one, diamond and one full court. So everything, everything we do, Half court, we do full court, and we just back it up to that. It's that way we're already set in our positions. But, you know, to me, especially in high school, I mean, it's not everybody's blessed with five great players. Everybody's got somebody they hire, you know. And so, and you know, some teams have, you know, especially when you get into girls, one or two really good players, and you're trying to hide three or four players, you know. So it's we try to take advantage of that. And if I just played everybody a conventional defense, those two or three players are going to be able to get their shots. But if we concentrate on them and play a zone on the others, you know, and that type of stuff, you know, it's, I think back to my, to our own offense. I mean, we don't have a lot of offenses or plays against diamond and ones and triangle and twos and, and, you know, we got one or two things we can do, but heck, if I got to do those two things the whole game, you know, we're in trouble, you know, so my, my thing is we try to confuse the team as much as possible, take the best players out of the game as much as possible and make them rely on some of the players that they're not used to, you know, being the go-to players and limiting their offenses. You know, like I said, we execute, I mean, how much time do we spend every day practicing our man offenses? You know what I mean? Just over and over and over again. And you get into a game and you can't run them, right? you know, but they're still playing you man and you can't run your man offenses, you know, because they're not guarding somebody and all the things that you're looking to take advantage of, you can't get, you know, so to me, it's just frustrates the fool out of me when that happens. And so there's nothing, you know, you can't, you have to do the same thing. And I, I watch the other coach, you know, a lot more than I watch our own team. I'm seeing, I'll, I'll know if he's or she's confused or not, you know, and, and, and if I, you know, if I keep hearing them yell, what are you doing to their teammate, to their players and what, you know, getting on them, I realize they're frustrated themselves because they can't figure out really what to do. And then once they figure out what we're in, we've already changed defenses two or three times yeah. at, at that time. So, we get them usually to use all their timeouts the first half, you know, just trying to, okay, they're in this, this is what we need to do. And when we come back out, we're in a totally different defense, you know? So to me, it's just, you have to, I mean, we've all been in that position where we've, we're frustrated as a coach. We can't really get a handle on, on the game and the game's flying by and we just never felt feel like we got a grasp of the game. Yeah. And so that's all we're trying to do is just trying to, you know, because the coach can't, you know, as a coach, you can't make good decisions if you're frustrated as well. And so the players are looking to the coach. Coach can't, doesn't really have an answer because we keep changing. And sometimes we'll change in a possession, you know, like they'll come down and we'll be in a man, they'll call a man offense. And immediately we change to a zone on the first pass. And so, 
then they back it out and call a zone play and we just change right back to man, you know? And so it's just a constant headache, you know? And so, but it takes, it seems like it would take a lot of practice to be able to do that. But believe me, you could be, I guess as a coach, you got to choose, am I going to be really good at one thing or maybe not great at all these things, but yet the fact that you're doing so many different things, it's kind of creating the same problem. Mm -hmm. And so I just like, plus I just like playing all those defenses, you know, it's fun, you know, to see the changes and, and we can use a lot of personnel when we do that. It's, you know, think about like a place like Hoover, we've got a lot of good players and you can't, sit half the team that's that are pretty good players you've got to find a way to play them they may not be as great as the starters but they're still good and so playing like this and changing things and sometimes we do it in units this unit will play a certain defense this unit will play a different defenses and so that way we can put them all in and they go in for their two or three minutes and execute what they do and then they come out and the other ones go in that way everybody's participating and you know, if you're pretty good defensively and, you know, you can, your system can hide players, you know, you can play them a lot more, you know, because sometimes if you're playing straight man to man, everybody's got to be a pretty good defender. Yeah. But when you do these kind of things, you could use your two good defenders and chase their best players and sag the other three that aren't that good and play a zone with them yeah. and they could actually be successful. You know, so there's a lot of reasons for it. But mainly, you know, I guess the main purpose is just to, for confusion and just the fact that it's you're taking their best players out. And look, we've played against some great players over the years, you know, when a lot of those teams in Atlanta. And I can't tell you how many times those great players who are playing in WNBA right now ask their coach to take me out of the game. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to you know, take me out. And they get all frustrated and they're mad and they're they've they've basically filed themselves out of the game to get out because they can't get the ball and other kids are taking shots that have never taken shots for them. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of what we do. I don't know. I've always, it's kind of, it developed over years, basically with, um, with Valvano, when he was at North Carolina state, he started in in a man defense every game and then no, a zone defense every game. And then once somebody got hot, he'd go to a diamond and one or, or a box and one. If somebody else got hot, it went to a triangle and two. So as the game went on, he kept taking, you know, whoever, players that, you know, got hot that game, you know, they he would start changing defenses. And then, of course, Dale Brown at LSU was a master of the free defense. You know, you never knew what he was in. And so watching those two coaches, I kind of, you know, you st- like you said, I've heard you on this podcast many times. We steal everything. You know, it's kind of like any any idea we get or somebody does something to us, we're going to steal it and, and use it ourselves. So that's kind of the philosophy behind why we change defenses and why we play all these gimmick defenses. Well, it's it, it, I think it's brilliant. And, and this is going to be required listening for everybody on my staff, I, I know, uh, because it's just – you know, I've been doing this a long time, Donnie, and and uh, just you talking about the diamond in one or the triangle in two on the full court level. Maybe I'm just too simple-brained, but I've done the diamond in one a thousand times and the triangle in two a thousand times, but I've never extended it to the full court, and it just makes absolute sense. 
you know, and, 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 uh, and so this is just, just great, great stuff. Uh, real quick, we got about five or six minutes left. We, we now, uh, as we're recording this, we're, we're in, in, you know, mid-October. Practices are starting. You as a coach, advice to young coaches out there. We all practice. We're all working offense, defense. I've, I've mentioned many times, make sure your percentages of practice match the percentages that you're going to use them in game. The example you gave, if all you work on is man-to-man offense and you can't get into your offensive sets, what do you do? What's something that you feel outside of the obvious that some of these coaches might want to be doing in their practices uh, leading up to November in those first games? I mean, I would say the most important thing you can do as a coach, as a head coach, and this goes back to football as well, is, is have your coordinators assign somebody on your staff who's in charge of some, you know, some other aspect of the game, whether it be offense or defense, special plays, inbounds plays. Because to me, okay, first of all, I think back, if, if, if I'm an assistant coach, a typical assistant coach, and a head coach is doing, you know, controlling everything, I'm like the players. I'm looking at the clock and figuring out how long we're going to be here. But as a head coach, you're always looking at the clock and saying, how much more time can I get out of this before the parents start blowing the horn? You know, so as long as when you give responsibility to your coaching staff, they want to stay and want to work on their part of the game. And so it kind of keeps everybody locked in as, as far as your staff's concerned. The other thing is, is it's like offense and defense. We've always had somebody who's in charge of offense. Like I'm typically in charge of the defense. And so somebody else is at practice is in charge of the offense. So every possession on defense, I want to win. And so in every possession on offense that the other coach wants to win. And so, you know, I noticed when I was a head coach and I didn't do that. If I'm on offense, I want to beat the defense. You know, and if I'm on defense, I want to beat the offense. So the other half of the team isn't getting anything. But if you got two people who are in charge of both sides of that ball, you got a war every day, every second, every possession. It, you know, there's never a time on defense where our kids have a time off because they're, they're answering to me. And then vice versa with Crystal, you know, she does all the offense at Hoover. Well, she wants to win. I mean, we get into some serious confrontations in practice. And of course, I'm acting a fool on the baseline, you know, every time we stop them and got the JV kids out there playing against the varsity kids and they, they stop them three possessions in a row, you know, we're all high five and jumping around and, you know, and I can see she gets frustrated, you know, but just the same way if, if, if they're executing and they're beating us three or four possessions in a row, I'm losing my mind. And so you have to have that competition constantly. And then somebody else who's kind of responsible for inbounds plays that way, whatever happens in a game, you know, as a head coach, it's just too much to control all of that. Well, if you got people who are constantly, you know, feeding you their information because of, you know, they've, what they've studied, then it just makes it a whole lot easier. So that, that would be my first suggestion that you start, if you're a head coach at a high school level and you have an assistant, maybe doesn't know the game as well as you do, but yet you could teach them one side of it and put them in charge of it. And like I said, it locks them in, plus it makes practice that much harder, you know, and that much, you know, everybody's 
there is no off time, you know, as far as the, the players are concerned. The other thing you mentioned, you know, as far as your, your practice plan, to me, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're very similar. When we, before we start, before we even stretch, shoot, we've already put in a half hour before we have a stretch. You know, we'll, we, we run a play and then we go transition six possessions, which I stole from Loyola Marymount, you know, that when they were running the, um, you know, the, their game back when Hank Gathers and right. Bo Campbell and all them were playing, you know, I actually went out to California to meet with him to, to learn his system. And so, you know, that's one of the big things that they do six possessions. So it's like when you, you take an offense and all of a sudden you, you're running your transition, six possessions in a row, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so, and you know, we're, we're running, getting warmed up at the same time. We're still learning something and working on something. You know, I'm a firm believer. I, we don't waste the sack. We don't ever run sprints. You know, we don't ever line up on the baseline and run sprints. To yeah, me, you're just wasting time. We can do, we can, we can do zigzag drills. You know, anything with the ball in our hand that we're actually executing something, and we'll get just as much running that way more so than we do it because they'll always cheat on the baseline or if you're just running, you know, suicides or whatever. But if, if they're part of, if they have to be down there to execute the play and they're not down there yet, you know, it becomes pretty obvious, you know, so, you know, and they got five seconds basically to make it from, you know, to be at the other end and score and five seconds to get back and score. And so, and six trips of that, it's pretty, pretty dawning, you know, so and, those I don't, you know, I don't believe in wasting any time as far as on like the sprints or stuff like that. The other thing is every shot that we take in practice, we shoot a lot. I mean, that's one of the things I didn't do early on. You know, it's all about execution, but now it's all about fundamentals. I mean, we we spend a lot of time on execution, but really, what's the point of executing something if you can't make a shot anyway? So we do a lot of shooting drills, but every shot takes place. There's never a shot taken that's not contested. And so we we set up our, um, you know, all of our drills that there's always a defender who puts a hand up when you shoot the ball and they, that person blocks out as well. So it all goes back to the fundamentals. I mean, if you're not, don't take any minute off that you're not working on some fundamental. The last thing I'm gonna leave you with is when you ever you run special plays, always, and I learned this from Dean Smith, always, set a back screen for a rebounder on every shot that you take. So anytime you run a play, you know who's going to shoot the ball, where it's coming from. On the back side, you back screen an extra player, and that player comes in basically for a free rebound. So we tell our shooters, we don't care if you make it or not because we have somebody there to get your rebound and, and get a much better shot than probably what you're going to get anyway. And so that's just one of the little tips that, I picked up over the years and that we do as well. It's it's funny how all these little things make such a big difference in the course of a game. Well, they do, man. Hey, look, the, the clock on the wall is wrapping us up. Uh, but uh, we, we, we're going to do this again, and we're not going to wait as long as we did between the last time. Uh, I, I know I got a tremendous amount from this, and uh, I know for a fact anybody listening to this will uh, – I appreciate you taking your time, man. Go spend some beach time with your bride. Um, 
and uh, let's let's do it again really, really yeah, soon. Look, Terry, if I could, look, anybody who, you know, is interested in any of this stuff, I have a lot of free time. I'll be glad to come to your school and help you do it and help you put it in um, or call me if, if there's anything that I said that makes, you know, that you're interested in. I would love to share it because I'm, you know, that's the thing about retiring, you know, you get out of the game and it's kind of like there and there it all goes, you know, I'd, I'd love to share a lot of this and, and give it to some people that, you know, can still use it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.